Did y'all catch my post on their socials this week? They posted that and said, like, what creatures would you find here? And I pulled that video that I had saved of the freaking badunk and unk mushroom. And yeah. I, I linked I it. <laughs> it was, was like, oh, so good. I was like, let's just take a moment to remind you how you wanted to remind us that the, you know, fungi got back. <laughs> you know I mean? uh, fungi got back. Anybody want to make that? They began to travel forward once more, edging onward into this forgotten land. The Pathfinders would seek out whatever mystery lay behind that shrouded veil. Whether they found danger or lost wonder, it was known that nothing could shake their determination to pave the way forward. They were forever bound in this quest together. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back Half Tilt. Hello, hello, friends. And Faisal. Greetings. And Pacha. What's up, gamers? <laughs> we got the full OG Pathfinder group here, actually, all in one show. That doesn't happen very often. It's kind of cool. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. It's been a while since we've had a big one like this. Uh, so... That's what she said. It was a good, I know I was going to say that's a perfect opportunity, <laughs> but I didn't take it. I was like, no, no, no. Try to be a little bit more, you know, I'm the guy quote unquote <laughs> professional, but so eh, whatever. I don't have to worry about it being me doing it anymore. I can be like, okay guys. Okay. When really I wanted to do it, but <laughs> before we, before we dig in too far, got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community created website for all things, ashes of creation. Also, Shout out to all the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the flames of this community bolstering greater week after week, friends. In typical form, i got to say, if you'd like to do us a solid, you can go over to our Twitter, at Ashes Pathfinder. Right there at the top, you'll see a pinned post with all of the past... Sorry, all of the podcast places, which as I'm speaking, I know I'm realizing now, I actually need to change it the YouTube URL, I just realized that, but all of the audio ones are accurate. So you can go over there and click on iTunes and uh, jump on over there. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a comment and we'll read it here on the show. If you want to call in, you can call into one five three nine six six four six eight zero one, or shoot a you know, nonchalant message over to the uh, Pathfinder grunt at ashespathfinders at gmail.com. So... Got an Ashes talk up piggybacking off of last week. Obviously, we were talking about the developer live stream last week. We're still going to be talking about that a little bit. But if you want to go and leave some of your specific thoughts around the road tech, you can go over to Ashes HQ on YouTube, check it out, comment, let me know what you think. Um, if you leave some really great conversation pieces, obviously, we'll talk about it here on the show. Um, speaking of leaving comments, as we're going through things today, um, we are going to be piggybacking off of last week's discussion, talking about 
about some of the developer live stream Q&A components. Pasha wasn't here, so we'll probably see what some of his overall thoughts were as we get started. And uh, we'll kind of go from there because we got the Q&A, um, some community stuff, and uh, yeah, some discussion points uh, that we can talk about. So I guess to get started, Pasha, what were your overall thoughts of the last developer live stream? I think it was great. I think it was a really, really good one, especially with like um, they did a few showcases uh, of the races, the 3D renders. The Dunier looked absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. The Renkai as well, mm -hmm. uh, at least in the stream. And the picture that they posted on Discord afterwards, uh, like I showed you earlier, <laughs> uh, I thought the Renkai were a little, a little bit cross-eyed, but they <laughs> <laughs> still look great. They have like kind of like that crocodile skin look to their oh, skin. Yeah. It, it, it's it's freaking awesome um and also i think what kind of it was kind of like worthy of like a mildly interesting subreddit moment it was the um the showcase the tech the tech showcase of the road system that they showed yes i really enjoyed it i was like mm, interesting mm -hmm. i it's never it's not something that i ever thought about and it just showed me how they're really trying to think of every single detail as they're implementing it in the game, mm -hmm. how the roads are going to um, evolve and change depending on how far they are from the zone of influence. And I don't know, man. I think like overall, the the, um, the developer showcase was really good, really complete. The only thing that I was a little bit disappointed in was when they showed the the, the Kalar. Like they showed all the races. The Vec were freaking awesome. Yeah. And then they show us the humans. I'm like, what changed? <laughs> They're just like, so you can see, like, it's getting, it's getting there. It's like, and it's not too much of a change, but like, it's getting there. I'm like, it's the same freaking model as usual. <laughs> it's the same no, it's not much, huh? model. <laughs> That's what they, I they, thought, Faze. They don't, they don't, they don't look straight into your soul and try to just <laughs> with blurry eyes. <laughs> but no, I think, I think it was fantastic. And honestly, I'm trying not to judge it to like to judge the character art, uh, art too hard. Yeah. Just because they did say that the character creator will get there eventually and you're going mm -hmm. to be able, be able to adjust things. And I'm really trying to like, hold off on my criticism until i see the character creator because they're giving a lot of promises there and i'm just hoping it's more of a bdo uh black desert online kind of mm. feel to it rather than a elder scrolls online feel to it like it's sliders yeah, but they don't change things that much yeah it's just preset options that you can choose between com um, combining yeah yeah so they said it's going to be it's going to be allowing a mm. lot of changes and i'm going to be playing with that like crazy yeah we know we're getting like the uh we're they're planning to show us some iteration of that next in february month, right or this month technically yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so but it's not going to be the full scope but it'll be good to get an idea of like what they're actually going for here you know and just an indicator of yeah. how complex and complete it's going to be that's I all I, I don't need i don't need it to be as intense as mm. black desert online because black right. desert online you can create monstrosities and i don't want to see monstrosities walking around like i think uh, steven already said that you won't be able to make yeah. monstrosities like right. you know, yeah like you're it, able it, to make drastic changes but uh it's going to be in the scope of that 
Exactly. Like, I'm just hoping that like his words, we can see them brought into action and actually see it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't disappointed us so far. Yeah. I mean, it's always, I think with the character creator too, like one thing I've noticed is uh, they've been really focused since uh, the live stream at, at gauging community feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually got, I want to actually show this too, because this is sort of new. Uh, if you look at the slideshow here and you're like, this is where our listeners are like, but Sim, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, what do you mean? It, it, that's why I encourage people to be here live, right? Because if you're here live, you get to see it, you catch it on YouTube, you can see it. If you're just listening, you just don't get it. Um, yeah. But they, they released some more. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is clearly like a render, right? So yeah. They, that's they the Niqua, right? The Niqua, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's the Niqua mm-hmm. and it's the first in that picture that they showed us on Discord is the first time that we actually see the Kalar yeah. in a little bit more detail in terms of his facial features mm-hmm. as well. And he looks like a mix of between like a hybrid between Todd Howard and Charlie Puth, but like he still he'll he still it still looks great compared to what he was before. <laughs> love the can, love can I just make one observation on him too? Yeah. Uh, he has a beard. Yeah, right. People were concerned that they weren't going to have beards. And it's obviously, I mean, that was part of the narrative, I thought, mm-hmm. of behind the Nikwa. One of their oh, character mm-hmm. traits was that they couldn't have their facial beards, hair wasn't like, as advanced. Yeah. That I really dig that. Like, Same. I love the detail yeah. and the dreads and everything, the seeing the little phrase and strands Absolutely. coming off. Like, that, that is balling. Yeah. But I, I, I just glanced at it. I didn't notice it when I looked at the image previously, and I just noticed it now glancing up at it. I'm like, holy crap. Right. Mm-hmm. That guy's actually got like a beard and braided and everything. Like, that's really cool. I dig it. Absolutely. Yeah. I will call them dwarves again. I am happy to do so. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and the thing is, too, is, uh, and you know, when I say that they've been very, they've been very focused this past week, like on the forums, I'll even link the, uh, the player feedback thread on the forums that's there. I mean, they, like Steven said, they want to get people's feedback on this. They really want some conversation and they want to know what the community's thinking, wh- how this is resonating. Um, I mean, pers- like for me specifically, I'm actually really happy with the diversity and variety that we have between the sub races. Um, I know a lot of people on like my, the YouTube video I did for like the Vex specifically, a lot of them gave feedback saying not a lot. So there was a, a good number saying that it's basically just wow trolls. And I'm like, I mean, not, not really, not, not really. I, I would disagree. Can I see some of the wow troll in it? Sure. Uh, but people were making references to like avatar and, and things like that too. I mean, hell, one of them looked more alien than, than orc or troll or anything. So um, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I like the uniqueness. Uh, I, I like that we're we're talking about a you know a freaking orc that can look that much different than what we're used to because yeah you know that uniqueness is important. I think. Well, Absolutely. like I was talking about it to um, to my stream partner Shaded Leaf, and he mm-hmm. was. I think like I made a, a comparison um, for the Vec, and it's like a hybrid between the Navi and Pandora. Um, and the trolls and wow and i Mm -hmm. think it's a great mix a really really good mix i think it's a great idea and a good direction they're going for yeah yeah it's just there there's like this is where i go we can't take it all at specifically at face value because until we get into that character creator 
truly we can't really give like a i hate this or i love it until we're mm-hmm. really in there just playing with it because snapshots renders t poses that's one conceptualization by whoever decided to utilize the creator wherever it's at and you know even the art art renderings that we're seeing here um i got the vec up again just because i mean look at the uniqueness that was that's yeah. going on there having the three different styles to the the art we saw and just to go back on the character creator a little bit, I know you guys talked about it last week, but can I just say how awesome it is that we're going to be able to straight from the the, the character creator choose our idol stance for our characters? That's sick. Yeah. That That's really cool. A yeah. lot of personality to your character. And we talked about it a long time ago that in Elder Scrolls Online, you got personalities and yes. most of them are absolute shit, but like they're, they're still... <laughs> It's still a great idea, and you have it as well in Final Fantasy XIV. All races have, and even classes of some ways, of mm-hmm. sitting and idling. And I think it's so cool that they're putting it in the character creator itself. Because you can, instead of just seeing your character in basically a T-pose, or I'll call it an I-pose, because like his arms are down, you can actually see it on how you want it to look in the game. Which is cool. Yeah, you know, even World of Warcraft had like, you know, not to the extent of like even the Elder Scrolls or what they're going for yeah. here. But even there you had like, you know, some variety in the races when you're jumping or, you know, some of those types of things too, like how they would hold their weapons in combat. And yeah, I think so. Even if you're just talking about like a stance to to any of those layers of variety, those things are very meaningful. It adds that, you know, for me, that's a big point of immersion, like to know that there's a, a different field of playing like a, a night elf versus a blood elf versus a, a tauren versus a, you know, a dwarf or whatever in that game, yeah. you know, similarly, so um anyway i already shared the player feedback so obviously you can go it said that it's been closed but you know when you go into the uh into the forums you can go and post um yeah you can go in there and post whatever you want to oh wait there's actually something on there about interesting oh never mind ignore me um we are going to pick up on talking about some of the uh uh developer live stream elements um i've already shared that there was an interesting post though before we get into those uh last developer live stream things i'm gonna share this twitter 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 uh, i'm gonna share you're, this you're sure a little twitter painted over there <laughs> I'm, gonna share, age, I'm gonna share a twitter post over there <laughs> on the social media i'm going it, to tweet on the internet uh, i'm gonna put this on that online there it is. <laughs> can, Pasha, can we Pasha, you've hit me with the age thing twice. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's me. I'm on fire tonight, baby. I, I totally don't dye my facial hair. <laughs> I don't. Keeps me looking young, boy. I gotta I gotta take the look as far as I can before I decide to say tap out and let it be gray, white, whatever. Um we're you not mean, there yet. Like this. Yeah. We're not close. Oh, what do you Just want? Just shine your bald head, then you'll be fine. Don't worry. Oh, by like basically blind them with the light is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. It's a really smart idea. Wax on, like wax that. off, friend. <laughs> wax it. <laughs> waxy, waxy. Okay. Here it is. I linked it, right? This was interesting. It was basically, they, they talked about the Carmine Chameleon, right? Which is that, uh, was that the pet? I think there was a pet or was that a mount? Let me, let me double check this. It is a mount. Okay. Would you want something like that that you could essentially like farm on? And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I got thoughts on this. 
if you were able to essentially gather materials off of a part of your mouth, this is one of those things where it's cool to bounce ideas around, but I think there's two points to this I got to make. And before I talk about them, I'm going to let y'all jump in on that. What are your thoughts on that? Because I got a little bit of a rant here. I'm not a fan of that being a thing. Honestly, I just feel like it. I mean, it's 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 a nice to have. It's just not something I would necessarily mm-hmm. like, you know, think would um, make any sense, I guess. I mean, I could see like, you know, going out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, farming mobs and then being able to like harvest off of them. I mean, I'm used to that. But like my actual amount, I know I don't know how that fits and kind of what they're thinking is on the lore behind that. But I'm I'm not necessarily um a fan of that i guess you know just looking at that mountain oh, in particular it. i mean i guess it would you know if you had like some sort of herb or minerals that the mount itself <sighs> like dropped in general you could do that but i don't know i guess my my comment is almost no comment on this yeah yeah i, I was one of those things i was hoping wouldn't get clipped but i i know i should have not expected that to happen gentlemen the rest of you feel you free just to know better now i do <laughs> <laughs> better know your place streamer and clip that shit so so wait so you're telling me if i ride my mount and mine a certain or anything the way if you I'm go and writing it if you go and you actually so here i'm gonna i'm gonna copy this and i'm gonna read it verbatim off of what their twitter post said twitter it said, out of curiosity, how often do you think a carmine chameleon sheds its crystals? Would you want a pet that you could harvest resources from? What sort of materials would you harvest? It's a bit of a slippery slope, I think, but... Uh, unicorn poop, man. Who, who doesn't want to buy oh, some unicorn oh, poop? Oh, I sell that shit to kids. <laughs> Just what you gotta do, just just like throw out the squatty potty real quick and let your unicorn just get it done, man. It'll be a freehold cosmetic, <laughs> just you wait. Mark my words, it'll be an item that could go in your freehold building. Oh my god, and the, dude. the unicorn will come in there, use the squatty potty, do its business. Yeah, oh and gosh. it's either going to be that or fertilizer, or you throw it at your next door, next door neighbor, Jeff. One of those three. Yeah, you remember Ark? <laughs> Can you get a flaming bag of poop as a legendary item? <laughs> <laughs> it's no. it's like an immediate way to X yourself out of a node siege or guilt, a castle siege. Just leave that on someone's doorstep. It's like, okay, siege is canceled. Like, siege I just is can't over. today. Oh my god, dude. I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's a slippery slope, I think. It's one of those things where, I mean, I'm... In a in a game like I don't know, I think of Ark, right? And I remember there was a creature, I think it was called a gotcha, like G-A-C-H-A or something. You essentially would put certain types of materials in its inventory. And then because that was there, every so often it would uh essentially it would poop out materials, right? And you could like open these gems up and the gems would have different things. Um, and it would be based on like what uh, rarity those uh, harvested materials were and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. I this is one of those things. It's like it's adding another layer to the to the development, isn't it? Like, you know, it's a cool idea, but you don't want something like that to be 
you wouldn't want it to be just like trivial, right? Because then you're spending time developing something that people don't even really engage in. Then on the other hand, you don't want people saying like, oh, well, I don't know. There's there's a slippery slope right all around. I I can see it being a kind of a cool thing to have, but is that really going to be something you'd want in an MMORPG? I just don't, I don't know if I see that really working like, you know, pack mules, caravans, backpacks, resources, things like that. It makes sense. But if, yeah, it's a great point. Medjiso said if scarcity mm-hmm. is important, then you have to be careful about that because then it bypasses yeah. the, the meaningfulness of being in a specific environment where we know like resource hubs or nodes in a little farmable spawn points those gatherable spawn points that you can either, you know, chip away with your mining pick or pick up herbs or whatever. Those are supposed to bounce around and it's supposed to be randomized to the degree in which you can't predict it very easily. Then do you really want something like that to know like, well, I can just kind of gather some material pretty much no matter where I'm at whenever I want to, because I need a little bit extra for this thing or something yeah. or, or even yeah. without the I, latter part. I mean, I, Instead of instead of harvesting mm-hmm. material, why don't you make it help you mine material? Like it makes the process a little bit faster. I mean, if if your mounts can fight and have specific abilities, right? I mean, then it would make sense if this was a, you know, let's say that was a because it said they said a pet when I read that, but I feel like I remember that being a mount. So I know there are. A few oh, games like a- that have like these perks for your mounts, mm-hmm. and there's even I think there's an MMORPG. I just don't remember the name of the MMO that lets you have a perk for your mount that your mount will gather um, herbs and flowers and all that stuff. Like not mine or mm-hmm. not like chop wood, but just for like plants and stuff. It grabs it for yeah. you, so you don't have to dismount to gather it. And I think that's great. I think that's a good mechanic, and it just increases your quality of life in the game it adds some like you know it's it's quirky it's kind of cool but if you like i'm i'm gonna piggyback off of what you said magisto um scarcity is important and if you if you add Mm. too many ways of gathering materials you end up increasing like speeding up the inflation of the requirements for crafting because it's too easy to get materials and so when they introduce new recipes for uh, for for players to craft, they're going to be like, it's supposed to be a hard one. So you're going to need 10 times more of that or like you're going to need this specific item that's super hard to harvest. And then you end up in kind of like this Guild Wars 2 situation where you have about 10,000 different items that you can uh, like uh, crafting items or like uh, gatherables and your bank is always full and your crafting bag is just bursting through the seams and it's impossible to craft anything without having like three truckloads full of items. And it's a little ridiculous. I think the less, the better when it comes to crafting an item should be, uh, uh, for me, crafting an item should be difficult. If it's meant to be difficult, it should be difficult because of the scarcity, the rarity of the item not because you need 750 of that item to craft it. Yeah. You should need like one or two of this, but it is difficult to get. It is rare. And if you can craft stuff off of your mount, 
then they're they're I know they're already doing like crafting or gathering yeah. nodes in freeholds. So you're just adding stuff on top of stuff where it becomes nonsense in right. terms of like where you can get all that stuff. Yeah. And I think people have I, concerns about this being oh and oh two points. I think people have concerns about it being scope creeping also. That particular like the Carmine thing, it's not a pet, it's actually a, a, a mount skin. So they showed a mount, but then they asked the question in regard to a pet. So it's a little mm. either way. Anyway, going on. Yeah. Well, but they yeah, did have it. that quarrier pet. Oh yeah. Uh, that was released a while ago. And the idea of that thing was that it shed crystals that you could collect, was it not? Mm. So this might be a stem of okay, should is this something that we should run with or yeah. nix that now? And and mm. I agree with you guys, because you know, for for all the points you said, and as well, it really takes a point from the, or it takes away from one of the main pillars of the game, and yeah. that's meaningful open world interaction. When you don't have to leave your freehold to gather your materials to craft things, it, you might as well. Now you're treading down that path of more of a lobby based game where you don't have to go out and interact yes. with people and yeah. and have that meaningful mm. conflict in the world where yeah. you know death has meaning from players and monsters you can lose some of those materials and that adds to the scarcity of it i mm -hmm. i'm okay with being able to harvest things from mounts or pets in the terms of like uh food like, you know, a chicken lays an egg or something. If it's a big bird mount, maybe it lays a bigger egg yeah. and I can cook with that. And it's just a consumable that you're going to burn through so much of anyway on a regular basis that it's it's not really taking away a lot from the game. Because that's not something that someone else is going to be producing for you necessarily unless they're running a farm. So if it's adding to that and this can only be done if it's like spends X amount of time stabled in your freehold type thing, and then you can collect it from there it doesn't just trot along down the path dropping out ostrich eggs as you go you know because like that, <laughs> that that's a little ridiculous um so th that that's kind of where i go with draw the line on it like daedalus and magisto and everybody said it's there, there's that line between what is meta and, and then what is trivial and i don't know that there's if there is a line there it's so fine but i feel like they blur right into each other Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're trying to find where the Venn diagram connects and the circles are an inch apart, you know, and mm. it, there's no, mm. over, there's no safe boundary overlap there, I think, um, for what you can drive. It's like, I'm sitting here thinking while you guys are talking, like, what if I could shave my mount for, for its fur and use that for <laughs> crafting? But at the same time, if the only other way to get that fur is to go out and find that animal that only spawns in one or two places mm. in the world and you have to kill it there, then exactly to Posh's point that takes away from that and it saturates the market because now you can just put this thing in your freehold, let it grow until it's shaggy and trim it up and go and sell it. And it, now if everybody's doing this, you're no longer um, gated behind spawn rates, which that's what adds the scarcity. And I a hundred percent agree. And I'll bring this point up again when we talk about RNG and crafting and stuff is the difficulty should be coming from the ability to gather the materials. And not the ability to grind it as much as you can. Yeah, if you're just sitting there, if it's just a time investment to sit there and face roll and just wait and then push buttons to collect and wait and push buttons to collect and wait, there's all it is is a time sink at that point. It's like, yeah, yeah. there's no meaningful interaction behind it. It's exactly the same thing. What, and, if, and, what if, if they had that mechanic, but it's very much RNG and it's like, like a very long period of time, like 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 let's say once a year, 
I, I think the only way that I could see this something like this being successfully implemented is if the mount was reasonably hard to get, but it has to be obtained in game. And it has, as you say, a very extremely rare, like 0.001% chance Mm. to proc a a, a producing a certain rarity of material. And anything other than that is basically worthless. And if that's the only way to obtain that material in the game, and it's so rare, and maybe it's limited how many mounts, because maybe it comes from a flying mount, right? So that mm-hmm. there's only a handful in the game at the time, then you still have a measure of scarcity to it. And it puts it's, a little bit more um, drive in players to try to get one of those flying mounts in their guild so that that material's there. But you would probably almost never see that material being available to anyone outside of a guild that's holding that because they're going to hold it hold it they're going to hold it and we get into that that bigger problem which is there's exactly there's like two people on their server that have access to it and they're going to drive the market price on it Mm -hmm. and you don't want that you want you know you want a fair market i mean that's why they hired an economist right to to help make the the help build the economy in this game just the thinking of of an idea where okay don't make it for a common mount make it for a very high legendary mount that drops like a legendary craftable thing but it's like think of it as a phoenix that's about to drop a feather for example as as that uh, now maybe like, if you're in a battle against that phoenix and you kill the phoenix and it drops that to be looted yeah that, that might be a little bit a different take on it because you are killing something in the game and looting its corpse, which is essentially what you'd be doing anywhere else anyway. And it just gives that little bit of extra reward for taking down the king or queen mm. in the battle, so mm. to speak. Right. Yeah. Like there's that little extra oomph to it. I think that would be cool. Like a dragon scale off of like a monster event or something like that. Or just yeah. a world, a world yeah. boss or something in general where you kill it and you get this like one super rare scale that's, tough to find and acquire there's a uh, rush thuman uh a new chatter on the on the stream mm-hmm. uh by the way welcome to the stream raz um yeah. uh, brought up this point what if they made it to where you got those resources by taking out the node in which they, res- they resided so for example mm-hmm. there's something very rare that only exists in this node and you can only access it by destroying the node by sieging it which kind of motivates and accentuates the the value of sieging and changing the world through destruction and rebuilding so in that case it would be something that would be (laughs) essentially be like something that could drop when because you know the relic hall whenever uh the the room that the relics are stored in essentially in a metropolis when you take it out you'll have a something there. You'll be a portion of something there. We don't know the full details mm-hmm. of that yet, but you could essentially maybe put it in there when it's you destroy it. I mean, some, something, some rare uh, material that you only get when you manage it. And it could, you know, clearly like the, the room that would har- hold those relics is going to be specific to what that node uh, is capable of unlocking anyway. So, I mean, that would, that could work. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, that'd be a possibility. Go and loot it from the ashes of City Hall. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It's like, is this a person, a phoenix corpse, or like, is this like where the relics and stuff are out there, whatever, guys? I can't tell which (laughs) Which ash pile do I loot? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, personally, I think this whole like amount having a chance to drop something just feels very much like scope creep to me. Yeah, um, it yeah. just feels like something that the developers at this point right shouldn't spend any time and resources mm. on. Because yeah. if you're mm. putting something in there that doesn't have a clear necessarily have a like a clear purpose or a hat or drop at a reasonable rate right unless i mean i i i'm okay with like super rare things being available i get that and and i'm okay with that but i just feel like something like this just adds complexity that's unnecessary uh so I mean, I would say maybe this is like an expansion thing, but like for for something for launch, I wouldn't necessarily devote time and effort to. There's plenty of other things that are building out the world that I think you could, you know, use resources elsewhere to make this work and make it work. So it's not necessarily going to be, I don't want to say game breaking, but, you know, gives somebody who has XYZ mount, you know, an ability to maybe one up their fellow you know fellow players yeah and i do want to do want to you know uh reiterate upon the fact that we're we're talking about we're doing a little bit of, of you know theory crafting around the, the the concept of this not necessarily that they are planning this um so i think sometimes i think sometimes part of the dilemma we face when they pose questions like that is we recognize it's just they're getting ideas from people. And Steven does this all the time. Yeah. He'll he'll just kind of brainstorm. He'll say stuff. And people often in live streams as well, they'll think sometimes that what he's saying means that they're thinking about adding a new system or something when he's really just kind of bouncing ideas around and kind he's of tucking brainstorming. it. Right. But I think it, the cautionary tell here is, is even though we realize that, and even though a majority of people who follow the game might recognize that at this point to the person who might just be, you know, checking it out. If they check a few live streams and they maybe haven't followed the game for a while, maybe they just went and watched the original Kickstarter video. Their their presentation is this is the stuff they talked about doing. Why they wanted to add all these things now? It's already yeah. looking up to be an insanely complex game. Yeah. So why are you adding stuff? Right. It's true. Whenever I watch the streams and I see Steven just brainstorming and throwing yeah. ideas out, yeah. there's part of me that knows that, you know, he's just a very enthusiastic guy yeah. and he just like, it just popped into his mind. He's like, Ooh, that could be cool. And I know someone's at the office, someone at the office will tell him to just stop it and shut it. And like, this is gonna, This like, is going to happen in year five. I believe her name's release. Margaret. <laughs> Let's say that's it, Margaret. Used to, it used to be Jeff and now it's Margaret who like took over. Oh no, and, Jeff, Jeff the, would, but he would also, sit there and sweat like he was getting ready to have a freaking yeah. coronary <laughs> and, and be like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. anyway but yeah so, but like there's the other part of me who's like stop steven stop you're yeah. like scaring so many people even though like we're rational and we know that you're not gonna add it and it's, you just think it's cool stop talking about it because you're scaring us mm. like man i think so many people are scared himself. that it's ashes of citizens <laughs> like people are just yeah. scared that it's our citizen because yeah. we're all traumatized by by something like this right by promises that never happen and games that get canceled especially from indie studios Oof. so I mean, we're we... scared by it and we don't want it to happen so like we're so scared of scope creeping yeah and, and I, but do we go on to be fair, like 
I like to see that part in Steven because yeah. it's so, it shows how much creativity the man can give and how much passion he can give on him, you know? It's like, don't take his words as in concrete and stone. Yes, this is a promise. If he does not commit to this, we will execute him in five years. It's fine. This is what the community does. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, that's, don't take it that way. Like, literally, just have it more flexible to the words that he says. Don't take it as promises. I'm going to put this out there real quick. Uh, and for, the, for you guys here on the show, like, slowly over time, our Discord is going to become populated by specific emotes for individuals that are in the community, <laughs> like Pasha, Faisal, Half Tilt, Daedalus, and myself. Uh, also on the LFM podcast, you got Renfill, Nathan, and myself, right? So all these people that are around these like conversations we have every week, like there's like moments where I'm like, this feels like like Murder Bunny, for example. We got a Murder Bunny emote emote in the Discord that you can use now. It looks just like this lovely little critter that is right next to Basil as we speak. And everyone's gonna get fun little things like that for the Discord because, but <laughs> I got that. If Azel, as you were talking, you gave me an idea for an emote. You're probably wondering what it is. I'm not gonna tell you. I'm uh, just gonna say I, I'm highly curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, the reason I say I bring up the LFM show too as well. And Pasha was talking about Star Citizen. Sidebar here. Star Citizen, like what, ten years in development? You go look at uh, Camelot Unchained. Eight years in development. Homies. I do a lot of game coverage, right? My my main thing outside of these podcasts, well, technically outside of this one, is basically talking about game development and all that stuff, right? Game culture and all these things. And one of the big ones is is putting my like keeping my finger on the pulse of the MMR, the greater MMORPG community. And I gotta tell you, uh, with those two specifically, they've been around a long time. We know why. I mean, Star Citizen is the king of scope creep, in my opinion. Uh, Camelot Unchained is the the unfortunate example of when you just got horrible PR and you are too rigid. So you got like too rigid on this one specific thing and, and the community speaks, man. And you got to be cautious because the scope creep element with, with Star Citizen. Now, you saw that thing that came out this week too, sidebar, right? We talked about it last week, that thing that came out from them. It, it essentially was, we're not going to... We're essentially not going to uh, be investing in showing you uh, goalposts and things like that because of you. Basically blaming the the community for why it is they're choosing not to mm -hmm. essentially be as transparent as they can be. Yeah. And that's like, it's a, it's a horror story. So I also count my blessings because when I see... Yeah, I recognize it. We can all say it's a bit of a lesson that, you know, be cautious about scope creep. It just makes me thankful that Steven's at the helm of this thing a lot of the times. True story. So many other horror stories. It's it's the majority of content I can create. It's easy case study example of what not to do. It's the haystack. It's and we're haystack. hoping that we yeah. found the needle here. Yeah, so far so that's good. True. That's such a good way of putting it, honestly. Yeah, we're hoping that Ash's creation is the needle in the haystack. Yeah, of all this, of this big ass cloud of failures in so many ways. Some of them studios are responsible for it. Others, it's just a question of money. Others are cro uh, cro scope creeping, and mm. we're hoping that Ash's creation, you know, breaks through and delivers. Yeah, absolutely. And if anything, like we're learning more and more that like these AAA studios are now starting to work on MMOs because we they see that like it is still 
very popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like much. Genre it's an that's something that they can really create an IP around, and they can run a game for 15, 20 years. WoW has proven that. Yeah. That you can run a mm-hmm. game successfully for that long, and you're, as long as you're providing content updates and expansions for it and keeping the community engaged, yeah. people will come back and play it 20 years later, even when it's on very outdated tech. That that doesn't matter if the experience is good because the community is there. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ashes is aiming to create, and they're looking to make that end game a little bit more engaging than your typical MMOs. Yeah. So, and like to uh, to continue on like getting back to Ashes creation specifically, because if you guys want talks mm-hmm. about MMOs in general, yeah, there's a show for that that you should uh, that you should totally watch. Um, <laughs> just to get back to Ashes creation, yeah. um, you you were talking earlier about how they really want people to how they seem to be paying a lot more attention to what the community has to yeah. say regarding the character creator and not like where the races are going in terms of art direction. And I think it's fantastic that they're doing that, especially for the yeah. character creator. And I hope they end up doing that for combat and for a few of the mm-hmm. very important pillars of what makes an MMO enjo- enjoyable. Character creation, well, character customization combat like just general movement and gameplay mm-hmm. like it needs to be fluid it yeah. needs to be impactful and you're you need to be satisfied in the character that you're playing as after that like all these small details like oh crafting could be more interactive and stuff like that that's like listen that's that's very niche yeah and that is something that people like can get around but as long as like the pillars are strong absolutely so that it's great that they're paying attention to it, you know? Yeah, that's something I think that they've been doing a really, really good job of in the past couple of years. Um, it's just really like going, hey, we recognize that people are going to have different ideas on whether this is cool or not. I mean, they talked about what? There were like those discussions around uh, multi-boxing and they talked about griefing recently. And they, you know what I mean? They've talked about all these things that they, you know, add-ons. I mean, discussing like, you know, those elements that they have pretty firm stances on and kind of gauging community sentiment on these things, which is very important. Um, but yeah, and as they're moving forward and starting to create these, like, uh, you know, these, uh, studio tours and, and getting into doing stuff on the races and the classes and nodes and game systems and all this stuff that they're talking about wanting to put on their website to start sharing that Maggie's had on, on the agenda for a while. Um, you know, they're going to be doing that then too. And it's, it's very important. Like if you want the game to, to be successful and you care about it and you actually do have like serious thoughts about some of these different things that definitely contribute um, when they talk about that. I mean, we, you know, and if you don't, you don't focus on the forums, if you're not always there, you're not always um, doing that. It's totally fine because, you know, we will, you know, you watch the show, we, we bring it up every time they present stuff like that. So um, just watch social media. They post it there. They post it in Discord. They post it on their forums. We talk about it here. If you're paying attention a little bit, you'll catch it. You really will. Um, but speaking of catching things, it's a good way to uh, segue into this before we get into our development, uh, the rest of our development discussion. That's what I'm going to share right here. It's the media one. Now, Daedalus' background is actually a art piece that they released this week. Um, and that was another just, I mean, geez, dude, you go over to their website and you check that out. You can, it's so good. Fucking it's so good. Jeez, man. The, the resolution scale was at like 5k or something. Yeah. 5k. Jeez. Up to 5k. Like, 
You can if, download. If I'm a tree hugger elf, I would be hugging that tree, and I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> hey, did y'all catch my post on their socials this week they posted that and said like what creatures would you find here and i pulled that video that i had saved of the freaking but unk and unk mushroom and yeah, I, I linked I it it was, was like so good. i was like let's just take a moment to remind you how you wanted to remind us that the you know fungi got back <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, fungi got back anybody want to make that so yeah check it out man they've been uploading the uh some artwork there it's it's actually it would be i think i would really like it if they kept doing that they've um had some really sick artwork uh, of like corruption like uh not too long ago along with like the lava and all those different ones oh man some of the recent concept art that they've been doing it's exciting i know it's like yeah but sim it's concept yeah but homies remember alpha one we got concept of like the waterfall and all that then you went to that place and it was like holy shit it looks it almost looks the same like almost dead mm-hmm. on the same Ooh, they do some good work there so ooh, makes you excited about actually being able to visit that area in the world when we get there bootylicious that's a great way of putting it brown rice i appreciate that and I'm sure that the <laughs> sure that the fun guy does too. Fun guy or fun guy. In the, okay. Uh, <laughs> there's joke. the door. There it is. <laughs> Why did this turn into a dad joke stream? <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Let's just move on here. I don't know. I thought that was um, appropriate considering the jokes about age, but it's fine. You can go check out the <laughs> link over. Beat the narrative. Yeah, be the narrative. It's kind of like maybe if I can just talk more about that, people will forget the whole other thing. Um, there's the link. You can go over, check it out in the Q&A. I want to hit up on the points before we start on the Q&A, though. I wanted to hit on one we didn't specifically talk about last week as we were winding down. And that was Stephen mentioning something related to the uh, the scientific node. Now, if you remember how are mayors elected in a scientific node, it's voting, the vote system. If you go, you can check it out on the HQ right now. You can go type in exclamation scientific node. And if you do that, or scientific nodes, I think, that's spell that right? God, I hope so. Um, Wow, I, I multitask talking and typing that as I was. That's, I feel very <laughs> proud of myself. Does it count when you're talking about what you're typing? I wasn't. I wasn't reading the exact same thing though. So I was in the middle of another sentence when I typed that. So I'm feeling really good. I didn't, you know. Anyway, whatever. Try to steal my glory. What the hell. Uh, if you go check it out, though, when you look at how those are allocated, right, it's literally it was supposed to be a vote system. Specifically, there was no here's the people who voted for who. That's not going to be something that's going to be visible to the public per the developers, uh, as far as we know so far. But if you go look at that, it's based on voting in a scientific node. All right, cool. Democracy is like part of that system, right? It's a democratic system. But... The additional topic here was they've it sounds like they're playing with the idea of having reputation based quest elements that might provide another alternative to influencing mayoral elections aside from specifically voting. Now, that to me is vague. I'd need to really see the details to to say whether or not I think that's cool or not. Um, At first glance, I could see how that could work similarly in the way that, um, I don't know, like divine nodes, for example, right? Uh, How do you make it to the top of your order when it comes to religion in a religious node? Well, you essentially are engaging in, uh, you know, your 
praising your deity and doing things in their name, right? You rise to the top of an order via uh, quests, right? You do quests, essentially. And that's how you sort of rise to the top of your ladder. And there are things that are unlocked for potentially um, during node sieges, um, effects for like your skills. So I can understand there being sort of a quest system, narrative system. It would be a shame if it was just a daily quest sort of thing to work towards that. Um, so to me, it would be important that it was meaningful and it made sense. The question is, what would make sense? Um, and do we even <laughs> like this at all? What do you guys think? I mean, I'm I'm with you, Sam. I'd like to know a little bit more about what they mean. I mean, if it's just like literally like a rep grind to be able to kind of maybe have some sort of percentage advantage or voting advantage. Right. I don't know if I'm okay with that. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's there's got to be some differentiation between how each of the nodes elect mayors. Otherwise, it can get kind of stale where it's just like a, essentially a popularity contest. Um, but I, I think this I'm I'm with you. I kind of want to know more information on what they mean by like having like a quest space mm. type of scenario. I mean, is there any RNG involved in obtaining this quest as well or finding the items that might um, give you the rep that's required? Just a, need a little more on this before I can have like a, a judgment call on it yeah and i'm i'm in the same boat as you and i'm wondering like what kind of what kind of quest they have in mind and is it a quest that involves you know like donating a lot of resources to the node to the city to like that would make sense to increase mm -hmm. your reputation because you're helping out the town and it's a scientific node so like it's more relating to advancement but at the same time that makes it very grindy and it makes it repetitive with the fact that big Zerg guilds could just vote someone in by doing that quest. Exactly my point. Like, I can feel like if it's a gatherer's yeah. quest, people will just send out their guilds, gather all the resources, give it to this yeah. one character, donate it. Empty the <laughs> guild bank and just then send it to the guy and the guy donates it to the city and increases his reputation and then his 600 members vote him in and there you go. He's the mayor. Nothing's changed between that or just going full democratic with a vote system. Yeah, because I, I, I hear votes. Or I hear reputation in that. And I think first glance that so you're going to make. So by engaging in this, number one, I am not a proponent of daily quests. I will... I love ashes and I believe in it, but if quest daily questing is a big part of the game, it'll, it'll, I won't like it. I won't play as much as a result, no matter how much I care about the game, enjoy it. And I'm fascinated with the world world. Ask anybody. I cannot play a, an MMORPG regularly. If every time I hop in, you're trying to get me to grind on something that I don't, yeah. it, it does. That's not meaningful. And it's the same thing. Same loop. Daily quests are one, right? Daily login rewards fits in that area. You know what I mean? Daily pop-ups to buy shit. Anything that's daily like that, it just, it feels like it takes away from the heart of or soul of what a game is supposed to and can be. Um, and so dailies do that to me. Right? I can understand engaging in some element daily, right? That's meaningful, right? Depending on what that is. But to me, if reputation, what I hear when reputation is, so I engage in the system, somehow my votes are more worthy, 
Like, does it yeah, increase? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, like one yeah. vote is actually worth like 1.2 votes, right? Yeah, kind of thing. So, so you you don't need quite as many votes against someone who has none of the reputation. This that's how I kind of interpret it. Yeah, it, it's, it's just like a, a multiplier, a modifier on your vote count. And is to, it really to influence? It, 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 mm. Does it change anything when you're talking about 600 person guilds or 500 person guilds? occupying a node and you've got 500 votes dedicated towards one person and then maybe the remaining other 300 people in the node are then split up between that one person already getting 500 plus whoever the other candidates are does it change anything no not at all does it sound like it potentially bleeds over into what the what makes the divine node mayoral system unique yeah it it feels like it blends into that a bit if it is quest-based yeah. If it was something maybe based on your tenure as a citizen within that node and your mm-hmm. contributions over time. So if wow. you started from this node at, at, a, at an encampment and you've been there building it up, growing it right up to stage three. Okay, now you got a town hall, you run for mayor. Okay, you've got a bit of a reputation around here from a, a population standpoint. You've been a figurehead. You've contributed resources mm-hmm. to the node out of your own bags. So now it becomes a, something that's measured over time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can buy into yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. And also, mm-hmm. like, where's, like, do you have a freehold? Do you just rent an apartment there? Do you own a house for how long you've been there? For how much time in, term, uh, in terms of, like, proportions? Let's say you're logged in 20 hours a week. How many of those, is it 50% that you spend in that node? Like if it's 50% or over 75% and then with your contributions over time and your tenure, as you said, then that would make sense that like your reputation, quote unquote, kind of goes up and your votes kind of matter more just because it like it fixes a little bit of that grind, well, that Zerg Guild kind of factor. And for dailies... I hate dailies in WoW. I absolutely despise them. I think the only way dailies work is if they're built if they're built in to increase activity in certain zones and they rotate all across the world every day. So that way all the zones in the world get a little bit of love just to keep the population active. So like, for example, mm-hmm. in Guild Wars 2, if you need a specific achievement that's important for your character because like your legendary weapon comes from there, you need to kill that world boss. And that world boss is insanely difficult. And it's in this one zone that, you know, it was from a past expansion. So people don't really play it and like play there anymore. But there's a daily that like comes around every like 12 days that you get extra rewards if you do the stuff in that zone so then you get like trains of people going to that zone and you can just hop on that train to get your content done so like it keeps the world alive in a way so dailies in that sense can be useful in wow it was absolute crap yeah it was just like yo you need to do that daily for like 150 days and then your reputation might just be enough to get that blue tiger yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with it if it's like when I think of dailies, I, I primarily would think of it as a means of going out and earning some gold. And, and if it's 
if you're the intake rate, what you can make by doing those dailies uh, on a let's say an hourly time frame is similar or less than going out and harvesting, you know, rarer materials as a uh, or crafting or something like that. Then I'm cool with that because it's just an option for more casual players to pop in and earn some gold so that they can buy their consumables and do their raids and stuff like that. Okay, fair. I I agree 100%. I do not want it to be a reputation grind because then it starts to feel mandatory. I do not want it to be something that uh, gives you something that you now need to do them to maintain your character's power in any way, shape, or form. I'm hoping that we're going to see less of those dead zones in the world just by the inherent design of Ashes. The game, yeah, it shouldn't be dead ever. If it ever becomes a thing, then maybe there's something else wrong with their design. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that one. Going back to the, the, um, the node thing, though, what if it was the reputation was based on your experience contribution to the node? Mm -hmm. Less any materials given so that your guild can't just pump you with materials. Yeah. So it comes from doing quests, uh, helping out in the area, crafting, what all gathering all the things, but it's based on what you have earned yourself, not just what your guild or somebody else can pump you with. You're, you're not just the figurehead that is campaigning through the, through the system. And it's I think I'd be cool over that. time too, not something that just happens within the span of a week. Because mm-hmm. if you do that in a short amount of time, yeah. then that's where Zergs live. They live in just pump and dump. Yeah. As for like like you said, it's it focuses on one player only, and it's across his entire like tenure within that node. Like in the past yeah. two years, I've been just in this node, just killing stuff bringing experience in and just contributing to that node on a personal level not on a guild level yeah yeah and it wasn't in like the last 48 hours it was in the past two years that would make sense and, and, and i don't know i don't know if you would want um that reputation influence to be public knowledge in any way shape or form right but it, it absolutely has to be capped yeah, it because has to be just because you've earned the most reputation doesn't mean that you should be the mayor. That if you want it, want that, then you go to like the military node where it doesn't matter if people want you to be mayor or not. If you can be better, <laughs> then you get there. This is still a democratic node, so unless they're planning on changing that to more of the again the uh, religious node, the religious yeah. node. Thank you. It has to be capped so that in the end, voting numbers still matter heavily. Yeah. And, you know, zero times whatever your modifier is, is still zero. <laughs> yeah. One thing I was thinking while you all were talking was, uh, you know, I think if that influence exists, it would have to be subtle. Have to be just just a, just a little bit extra so that even if there was like that Zerg component going on, to what we're all going to grind to make sure we do this every day as a community. And so our community has more influence. Like if you did something like, I don't know, it's just a random idea, right? There's X amount of NPCs, right? In, in the city, maybe, or something like that. Like we know that mm-hmm. there, we'll say there's like 50 NPCs and maybe they, cause I, I can see this work being like sort of backwards compatible to zone, zone of influence and data collection. Um, again, keeping in mind, I'm not a developer and I don't know exactly what their stuff looks like, but if that contribution goes one way and they gather that data, then maybe that data can influence what percentage of NPCs the NPCs would vote. 
Like, so if there's only like 50, right, that's not a like, like, let's say in a metropolis, there's like 50 NPCs, right? And the influence over these NPCs is going to be determined uh, by the individuals and what their contribution is. Mm. So then you could, you know, potentially have some influence, but it's still only like 50, you know what I mean? Like votes that could be swayed or something like that. Then that's like kind of minimal in the grand scheme of things, but not too, too crazy. Easily enough to be a difference maker though. And that's actually yeah, a really cool sure. way of yeah. making the world feel a little bit more alive. I, I, I dig that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great idea. It's, and it's immersive as well. So it doesn't break the immersion factor. And I think that's a great idea. And just to like make a point here, I think, this the the the, the demographic the demographic effect the well aspect of a scientific node you can never and you should never keep it from being a thing for these elections like the zerg should never be canceled in any way shape or form for the demographic node the scientific node because that's just how democracy works. Right. It's numbers that matter. Yep. So if the Zerg wins, the Zerg wins. It sucks because, you know, they're always going to win. But that's also that's also why, you know, the U.S. is a bipartisan country. It's just because, like, there's two, there's these two Zerg parties right. and people vote for them. That's and just how it happens. Route. That's just how the but, system works. Exactly. It shouldn't just be... 100% reliant on numbers, no? Even for a scientific node. I, get, I mean... Like, I'm not saying don't put the caste system on. Sure. Just, like, <laughs> let them have it, like... Uh, a deed has to be shown or written <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing, though, is the way by design, they're not designed that way, though. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from and everything, but that's just not the way a scientific node is, is designed. Like, it's designed to where the vote counts, but there's no transparency on who voted that those logs are not not public record. Yeah, no, your vote yeah. counts as a yeah. number. It's just one vote and that's it. But that's you know next thing you know, you yeah. figure out someone rigged the election and oh, oh my it's just God. chaos. Maybe thing playing the game because you can just go yeah. outside your house and notice it. So screw that. It'd be good to see percentage though, right? Like this percentage voted for this person, this person, these were where the votes were tallied up. I think yeah. that's good because that gives people it gives them it, it ties into player agency, right? Because if the players know, the community knows, citizens know that individuals are voting for these people and these are the numbers, then you get out there and pull it politics, right? You get out there and you kind of like you campaign. Yeah, campaign. Exactly. You campaign. You post in the zone chat. You go into city. You see a player. You, you go see ah. him. You <laughs> get your cool. guildies to where to like wield baseball bats outside of the voting areas. Bunnies with axes. But yeah. As long as we don't have the electoral college and in, in Ashes of Creation, we're good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the key, the takeaways here that I think is important if we do something that's reputation based is that it's it's a community building and individually contributed factor, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, and that's to me the most important thing. And just you know, before we move on to something else, I did want to maybe comment on dailies. I think the thing that really you know chaps me about dailies in general is their lazy repetitive gameplay loops right so as long as there's a variety of things you can do while they might be available on a frequency of daily and swap out daily mm. turning them into something that's repetitive and like adds like little um 
I would say little engagement for the player, then I'd say don't waste your time on them. Uh, so, I mean, that would be like where, where I'm agreeing with all of you. Yes. If, if there is an option to have like an alternative way to influence elections, make it individual based, make it something where you're investing in the community for that node that makes sense in the game world that fully, you know, makes player agency one of the pillars a top priority and you also make it interesting right because like you guys have been just talking about like the ability to go out and campaign and you know interact with people as part of the community that's the kind of things that i think is going to continue to strengthen the overall community in ashes of creation where you have that interaction in a positive way Right. Uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to something where, OK, I'm going to do my dailies by myself. <laughs> and basically, you know, I'm fighting with other people because I needed to kill 10 of these mobs so I can finish yeah. my and daily so I can go back and do mm-hmm. things that are fun in the game. Right. No, when it comes to da- when it comes down to dailies, in my opinion, dailies should just be an extra if they want to put it in. It should just be an extra reward for something that you're already doing right. and nothing more. Not if you have it, to. If you have to go out of your way to complete a stupid daily and it's not something you that you want to do anyway, then we shouldn't have dailies at all. The game should be enjoyable. It should be a time sink because it is an MMO. So it should be a game that like I'm willing to spend time in for right. many months because it's a sub and it's a subscription MMO. So mm-hmm. like you want you want it to be long lived. Absolutely. But find something else other than dailies. There are right. so many more mm-hmm. ways of doing it. Yeah. One one thing before we move to, to the next topic. Yeah. Um is that other side of the coin. We usually think of nodes or the the mayor system to be in groups or guilds taking control of that certain node. But what what about that solo player? Exactly. That solo player ain't got a chance. <laughs> right. But that's why I think that campaigning element. Oh, you mean in terms of getting voted and elected, right? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. No, they don't. That's why building relationships and you know like getting building community is going to be important for in that node type specifically. That's in that yeah. no type, it'll be important, but you're right. You're hundred percent right. A person like, who doesn't have I'm, influence I'm, is not going to, is not going to make it in that. I'm not just talking about like one particular node. No, four out of the five node types. Yeah. The solo player ain't got a chance. No way in hell. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, maybe divine node. I think you might be able to, you might be able to, if it's tied specifically to like, we need to see obviously, but if yeah. they go the route of, um, if, if they go the route that they've talked about in, in regard to, um, the, the temples, for example, because from my perspective, temples are, um, going to be a paramount component to, uh, the divine nodes and how they work. Um, and we know that if you rise to the top of your order for, uh, uh some uh, deity, right? Like the goddess of creation. If I'm like part of the Phoenix order, for example, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, focusing on, on getting to the top of the order and being the top person, we know that that's going to be related to like quests and things of that nature. We don't know the full breadth of that, but we know that. Yeah. So if that's kind of the framework, you know, that we know divine nodes could work that way. The military node potentially as well. But the other two, even though economic is it can be bought, I still see the biggest group is going to be able to pull enough of the funds together. So on those (laughs) two, 
I think you're definitely talking influence and numbers. The other two, maybe, but we got to still see on those, I think. Um, but good segue, because in talking about gaming a system, here's a part, one of the Q&A components, right? So in the Q&A portion of that last dev live stream, we're going to start chipping away at these now. Some of these will go quicker, some won't. This one's a good one, though. This was good to see, because the question was, once a node goes into lockout after a siege, can the quest to obtain a siege scroll still be completed, or is it locked out for the time period? And Steven said that as it currently stands now, the quest for the node can still be completed, but there's a time limit for those scrolls, and if you select that node as a target for that scroll, it's possible that the lifetime of the scroll would be under the lockout of the node. So you could waste it. So here, this is important because it means people can't just collect scrolls and game the system. That was important. Yeah. So gaming the system, yeah, they're mindful of. And, and essentially, he doesn't want it to be the new world thing where you can just siege over and over and over and over yes. again. And it's just yeah. never yeah, ending. Exactly. The sieges are meaningful. You build up to them from an offense and a defense standpoint. And you can actually you know, schedule your life around it as a human being to be present <laughs> and available and not just, man, if I'm not living on this game 24-7, then I'm going to lose all my shit. Yeah. I'd rather lose Bye my family. marriage. I'm gonna lose my family in my house instead. <laughs> Kids going to the or, orphanage, or, or like the, or or like the God tokens in Conan Exiles. Um, yeah, where, where you're able to put like that huge barrier that you're unable to summon a, a, mm-hmm. a deity. But I am glad that he did say that you can waste it, that you can still obtain it and waste your resources and your gold into getting it. He's not locking it out. He's not graying out the button to get it. He's just saying, like, don't be an idiot. Maybe think about it for a second, because you're going to lose in the end. The house always wins. It's not like we're going to make easy, we're going to make it easy for you and like right. not make you spend shit on it. No, like he's going to let you waste your money, and I'm glad he is. Yeah, that's, and, that's cool. It's a good sink. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's important because they're saying we're going to ensure that at least when you start engaging in this process, when that. When that opportunity opens, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fresh slate for everybody, you know how how you go yeah. about it in that moment's what's gonna actually count. So that's really good to see that. Um, this one is a fun one. Uh, I do want to make sure I get down to the bard thing because we didn't hit it out last week, and it's uh, I know it's gonna be something Daedalus specifically will probably enjoy talking about. Um, but this one related to the Underrealms, and I thought it was cool that I heard this because I never thought we'd get this, but the question was, will there be a dark lake, rivers, or expansive naval content included within the Underrealm? Main takeaway is not for now would rule out the opportunity for something like that in the future with like an update or something like that. That was cool. I never would have expected that. Um, and I had a really cool conversation. Uh, was it Wednesday? I think, or was it, was it Friday? I think it was actually on community day. Community day ended up turning into, we just chat ashes for three, no, four hours. Um, instead of playing games. So it was kind of fun, but we talked about how the underground could be, Uh, It could influence some other areas of the game, but this, this was good to hear. What'd you think, guys? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that they're thinking about the long terms for that. Um, Like, personally, I would love to see, like, what exploration opportunities you would have in Underrealms and, you know, like, how you would go about interacting with Underrealm nodes as well and what that entailed and what, 
I don't want to say advantage, but what benefit you might have in terms of building up an Underrealm node. So yeah, I think this is really cool that they're thinking, you know, farther down the line that, hey, this might be something we might look at. Interesting idea. But yeah, I I, I thought that was exciting. Mm, I hadn't yeah. thought of this either. That was pretty uh, interesting question that came up. Absolutely. Well, the only part of the answer that I really enjoyed was just that is like, I, I don't care, honestly, if there are like lakes and oceans in the underworld i couldn't care less what i'm i was glad to hear is the fact of like oh maybe in a future expansion and it's not the first time that he says that and right. i'm glad that he did because it's something that was kind of worried about like with the scope creeping again don't put everything in the game right now release the game with what you promised and then later on it's for content like you're, you want your game to last 15 years so you should be able to add content for the next 15 years and that's part of it that's a great part there should be an expansion on the underrealm so like that's great like you already have the underrealm but add more stuff so like add ocean comp like content in the underrealm and all that stuff but keep it for later for now like focus on the game yeah core and, and you, i think you gotta wait till the scientific nodes have advanced enough that you can build a submarine or something to get down there anyway otherwise Unless it's a completely separate where you build your ships down here and they stay down here or <laughs> can't really take them up up to the top. But if the waterways are connected in any way, shape or form to me, it's got to make some kind of sense. Or it's right. weird. Are you just uh, do I just sail down a casual river and just wind up 100 feet below the surface of the earth and then I can sail right back up and out of that river again? Like, yeah. how am I getting up the waterfall? You can just enslave like 500 Tolnar and like have them take your ship wow, down into Pasha. the caves. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, it, this you is where full, we go. Yeah, you go full Dunmer on this uh, on this game, and you win <laughs> the beast races. That's so bad, dude. Or, 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 like, or maybe wow, we get to easily to build some lift blocks or something. And, you know. <laughs> House dress will rise wow. again. Pro social as <laughs> fuck, oh, you know, you know. <laughs> He's like, just enslave some Toldar, man. They're they're beast people anyway. They don't really beast they don't lives have rights, matter, Pasha. They can't <laughs> vote in my scientific <laughs> node. <laughs> but well, if you want you know, the comrade to... in arms, I'm up, up for the Oh wow, there's murder buddy. There it is. Right it just escalated quickly. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Jeez. We're talking about future expansions. I just go right straight through slavery. Y'all talk y'all talk dark sim and they're talking about enslaving Tolnar over here on the show. I don't know what to say. I'm sure if someone on the Ashes Discord get catches wind of that, they'll be up in arms. That's fine. They're not around here often, so you know, man crazy but i mean it could make uh, that the possibility with the underrealm like when you think of check this out right this is the this is what's cool to me is if this ever ashes is a game where this could be possible i'm gonna give you a snapshot of possibility that i've thought about recently so you've got like this underrealm entrance on the coast right that exists it's there and you could get in there and it's got a waterway and maybe you can travel in right with the with the boat or something like that and then this waterway goes through and you're in you're underneath a divine node and let's say they go with this crazy idea that they've been talking about it's not 
This is not a determined fact of what they're going to do. It's just an idea they shot out there, which was you get to a Metropolis level with your divine node. You unlock catacombs that extend and link to other uh, divine nodes that are within its zone of influence. It's vassal nodes. Now you've got this network of catacombs that exist. How cool if that scientific or sorry, the divine node or set of nodes that are in that area, which has the under realm go within it. How cool would it be? If like there was an opportunity for there to be a break into that somehow and you like open up all these possibilities of content, like so the catacomb goes in, but the underrealm broke into it over all of the eons or whatever. And now you got three elements of content, right? You have the underrealm, you have potential navel in the future. And then you've got uh, divine nodes with these catacombs. Now you've got additional strategic elements if you're talking about how you even, because if it's not instanced and you were able to like link all that together, now you're talking about a crazy backdoor into some metropolis potentially that people didn't expect. Like it's awesome, right? I mean, it's not like a crazy idea. It's not like something like this hasn't been done before. But it's just another really cool like possibility that could exist in Ashes for uniqueness to the world. So I don't know. And, and, you know, I know we've talked in the past about when an expansion comes out, having this big like world event, the server race to try and do things like I just had an idea thinking back to like when the gates of AQ40 and wow oh, yeah. for the first time as an mm-hmm. expansion, like that was a monumental server coming together to do things. Yes. You could do something similar, like, hey, there's this waterway going down into into the underrealm, and maybe for a time now you've been able to sail around on just your little personal boats that Steven mentioned in this same live stream. Yeah. You'll be able to just kind of em- embark on at any shoreline so now you're sailing around on a vast lake under under realm and you find this island and it's got some crazy stuff on it but you need to get more over there you need or or, or there's some treacherous waterways between you and that island so you can't quite get there you need a bigger boat it's like okay well now there's a server race to build a series Mm. of lift locks or something to come down the waterway from the ocean or the coastline to get down into the under realm and you have to come together as a server to supply all these resources to build these lift locks over time that can mm-hmm. then allow you to transport your ships up and down. And these transports might take time. You could be vulnerable to siege and destru- destruction while you're doing it. But that would be something really cool to kind of come together around. <laughs> you know, yeah, or or just be a server that enslaves a bunch of 500 Tolnar player accounts and away you go. Unbelievable. Potch is just going, Tolnar, Tolnar. <laughs> Get him, get him, got him in chat. Jeez, dude. Holy man, hell. You need to make that tell not chicken nuggets, man. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're going to be chicken yet. We got to still figure out what the, these varieties are going to be. I but can't wait to see them. I know, I know, because they pulled the I, remember the old silhouettes that we were going to go with. They just, yeah, they scrapped it. Well, <laughs> I'm realizing because I know we got a cast member here for sure. It's got to tap out an hour and a half. So I want to make sure we hit this topic because I don't think we're going to actually hit all the Q&A. We'll chip away at some more of it next week, friends. It's beautiful. Don't you love it when it, when it lasts, when it carries you through a good chunk of the month? I love it, man. It's freaking nice. It's even nicer that I, I yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've been putting this together because before it was like, Man, this has turned it's a project for me to go and gather this and put the notes together and everything. But man, we've got such a solid re- resource for us to like chip away at month to month well, now. It just so. means that Steven and his team did a good job with the development update, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. There's enough stuff mm-hmm. to talk about for Absolutely. three weeks after that. Yeah. So let's hit on this one. Okay. On Bards to say, so in the MMORPG.com interview, Stephen did like someone asked basically that Stephen or they, they said, so Stephen, you mentioned, mentioned the formations for Bards. Will this be primarily a way that Bards buff their teams? He said, I'm not sure it's going to be primarily. It's definitely going to be incorporated for certain skills and certain abilities. Those might be more key abilities or higher tier abilities, but it will probably not be the primary function of the Bard's role requiring formation-related buffs every time they decide to buff the party. So then my question is, what's a good way for that to work? And this is where I'm going. I know Daedalus is going to probably want to chime in on it, but gentlemen, in no particular order. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think just for this one, like when I think of formations, I just think of like the druid back in WoW saying, please stand on my effing circle. Yes. Right. <laughs> that just <laughs> that would drive me nuts if that was the primary thing. I still think positioning is important. Yeah. Because I've played controller type of classes, support type of classes, and knowing like just finding that synergy in your team where you know exactly when to pop an ability that you know, provides a benefit to the team, like repositioning enemies or buffing or what have you. I mean, those are just strategic decisions you're going to make as as part of a battle. So while, I mean, I, I think it, it would be neat to have like some of those more powerful abilities require some coordination. I'm very happy to say that they're, they aren't thinking this as a primary way to make it happen. Um, and I think it would be good just to have a variety of things so that you as a player have choices on what you should and shouldn't do on a battlefield. Not to say that there's like a meta choice versus a non-meta choice, but at mm-hmm. least you have some flexibility to, you know, accomplish a task in more ways than just one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been trying to think of something to add on top of it. And honestly, you nailed it, Data. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just, to perfect <laughs> my, my biggest question about the bard is are these formation things gonna root you in place while you're casting them or will you have some mobility to your character because to me if you if you're if you have the ability to move your green circle around and you're only buffed while you're in it but it's a more mobile fight like that could be a, a very interesting mechanic that successful coordinated guilds will do very well with whereas uncoordinated folks are just going to have a hell of a time it could be interesting but i agree i wouldn't want that to be the sole thing or the primary thing that you're doing um mm. i think it should be a little bit more niche and i want to see some variety to the play style you're positioning on the battlefield i don't know about party buffs necessarily but like proximity buffs yes. I, I like the idea of because if you got a party member on one side of the the, the raid and no one on the other side but you can't buff the people in between that that feels that's immersion breaking to me that feels yeah. really weird and mm-hmm. i think i think of the bard as the buffing through their music through their tunes by yep. inspiring and invigorating yep. you yep you need to be within earshot of that to 100%. an extent so it's exactly what i was going to say if, if nobody said it was if if we talked about this way back when but I don't want to feel like I have to be like you have to be locked into people have to be in a certain template area in order to even benefit at all. I think it's better if we're talking about a bit of a cost benefit analysis of, well, bards inspire party members. So if I'm in proximity of X amount of players and I'm doing whatever, uh, casting an ability, doing damage or something that based on maybe how many are around me. Right. And that cohesiveness between, you know, uh, 
a strategy or whatever, like then I could potentially buff up to a certain amount and maybe I do more damage or more healing, right? But I don't necessarily need it to be useful. It just adds a little little bit of an extra somehow in there and not off everything, maybe just certain skills where it's actually important, but not to where it's like a place of template and everybody's in it for the hots and that's how it works or tunes or something in it. That's too, it's too basic. If you want to, if you want to make them interesting, don't go that route. Yeah. Meaningful. And I think something like a proximity might work well too, and still feel like it's not immersion breaking. If it's True. maybe the per, how powerful the buff is, is depending on how close you are to the bard too. That could be a possibility. And I think the other thing that I, I believe I've heard on now and again, not necessarily specifically related to bards, but maybe it was more related to casters in, in general or support characters in general, uh, either way is that the team did want things to be very interactive and mobile versus you know, maybe there's a powerful skill that you're channeling. You have to be in place for a certain period of time. But again, I find that type of gameplay pretty boring that you could just stand and cast Absolutely. and it doesn't matter where you are. So I would hope that there's some level of variety and mobility required either to get into the right position or to, um, you know, or just honestly, just to make the gameplay more dynamic that you're yeah. not just standing and casting. And if you get that, you know, shot off you can just kind of stand there and you know people won't bug you right yeah so, so you're not going to be <laughs> standing 30 yards away from the tank buffing the tank to bolster him it'll you actually have to be right there beside him paying attention to the cleaves and other attacks going on from the boss to keep yourself alive plus mm-hmm. you're probably wearing full plate armor i mean at that point if you're the tank buffer but um <laughs> here i just had an interesting thought and i'm curious what your guys's opinions are on it do you think your any songs that you're playing should have a same, similar, or opposite effect on the enemies that you're handling? That if they're in proximity as well. So if you are standing Absolutely. next to your tank, buffing your tank, yes. does it also buff the boss in, in a way, shape, or form? I mean, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't have an issue with certain skills having a sort of cost-benefit analysis, but I think I'd be a little cautious about that like it would make sense if you're um i think didn't the arc age bards have something like that where you could sort of um you could you could basically like influence them negatively with songs or whatever the enemies mm-hmm. but i think it would be cool to like have a proximity thing to where it would make the bard more interesting to to have like okay proximity based for certain things so then maybe if they're maybe focusing more oriented towards tanky sort of measures or you know when you look at augmentation later if you're looking at more at like negatively impacting you know distracting or something for like the the boss or the enemies to benefit your team i mean that sort of support would be interesting and maybe even a twofer right because the clerics um i think i think i wouldn't necessarily want to relate to any kind of healing but maybe more support elements maybe like you sort of like disorient the enemy but empower your um friends and if that's the case and you're within a certain uh, template that's around your proximity around you like 10 meters or something like that then it you know similarly would be beneficial to your teammates negative impact on the enemy and it's sort of a win-win but you have to strategize that well because if you do it wrong then maybe the bar takes it to the face and gets cleaved and he's dead and he's not useful or something yeah i, I agree with that i wouldn't want the bar to be like able to play for the other team if you will right in terms of um having Mm. a buff that also benefits the enemy i just don't think that would while i think it makes sense logically it doesn't make sense in terms of like gameplay 
Because then you're like, okay, well, then the bard needs to stand like, you know, 50 yards behind because we don't want the buffs to to hit the enemy. I mean, I think it's got to be a point counterpoint, similar to what they were talking about um, in the cleric being, you know, having the magic of life and death, right? You you hurt your enemies, you buff your allies. I kind of see that as a support character making a lot more sense and making them very useful. Mm. And also, I think depending on, you know, how they input the formations or how they handle the buffs etc like being able to know like what needs to take priority in a fight maybe Mm. you know you need to buff the tank in a certain situation but maybe it's more beneficial to buff the healer or to buff the dps you know whatever the case may be is you want to again be able to have choices and flexibility and i know they haven't fully tested this yet but the ability to have like up to eight players like in a party that also makes it more flexible too where you can split up duties and have again strategic choices Mm. based on you know eight you know what type of group makeup you have and how close you are to each other and what the encounter entails if it's more melee or ranged heavy and so on Mm, and potentially i I, I really hope they have specialization that you can either go like a really pro buff your team or work on debuffing your opponents Mm -hmm. to provide that extra utility so that in a raid size it brings a little bit more value to having Mm -hmm. multiple bards in the party because they can provide different things like think of like old school wow before paladins became there for everyone there was paladin auras but only one paladin could have one aura at any time time. but Mm -hmm. by bringing a group of them in you can now have an aura for everybody absolutely or multiple all of the auras for everybody kind of thing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah and we can go even further than that like you can have buffs and debuffs but you can also have very specific set of buffs just like the paladins so like a bard that's like a you know a mix between a bard and a fighter gives more buffs towards like the damage dealt two two different mobs if it's a bard tank you give more protection buffs and all of that stuff exactly, and yeah. for the debuffs the enemy deals less damage or the enemy can like hurt himself or gets a life drain and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah one thing Absolutely. to address is uh what's it called do you guys prefer uh, prefer a spell that buffs and debuffs your like buffs your ally and debuffs your enemy at the same time or do you like the spell to be separate i I think it comes down to the absolute influence that those buffs have if it's if it's a double-edged sword like Mm -hmm. that then it it needs to be like half or even a a third of the effect of a single focused either buffer Mm -hmm. or debuffer so you can have that utility of doing everything to be more rounded well-rounded if your focus is like just single party eight person content and not raiding and maybe mm-hmm. you're more inspired to go down a specific specialization rather than trying to cross breed yourself um for larger scale content where somebody else could be unique as well and then you get maximum benefit from both sides i don't know yeah i think too like uh we were talking about the uh the bards you know i just realized something dataless yes sir your emote I'm going to call it day bard. Here's what I want. I want, <laughs> I want it to be, I want Daedalus to be like running around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Literally able to run around and sing his songs, belt his tunes 
Dude, imagine trying to fight a group like that. As Run around your be like, bubble of ultimate defense, up. or what? What do you mean? Yeah. You always want <laughs> Yaskier to your Witcher. Always, you always want Yaskier around. Yeah, you yeah. burn butcher burn, brother. Yeah. Burn butcher burn. That's good stuff, man. Ooh, man, that's some good stuff. I mean, when I think about the bars, though, I think that's uh, that's a that's such a good example of like. Uh, the diversity within classes. Cause I think, again, if you, you have, you're talking about group comp, right. You know, already know the summoners have got the ability to fill roles, right. Because of the, the summons, the type of summons they can have. Um, so, you know, that they can sort of help in the weak areas of a party. It would be really good. It's good to see the kind of synergy, um, you know, to where that's meaningful. And like half tilt said too, like blesses for paladins, you know, you had your three bless types and then you see the overlapping uh, theme. That's now freaking pretty much a race, but to D and D because in D and D you got bless and you got types of blesses and stuff like that. And you can buff your party specific ways, which I'll, I'll be doing later tonight in my D and D session. I'll be bl- bl- probably blessing my party. I feel like in D and D as a paladin, I basically just bless everybody and they kick back and relax run in with good old talon give them a good old slap around with my extra dice in there it's kind of nice um but this is a game that's derived from the tabletop genre right like pathfinder and D elements so um i think if they can take the bard and capitalize on that you know in some ways i think that's from my perspective a Look, it's not a fool's rush in. It's literally, if I just shut up and don't say anything out loud, literally, in D&D, usually my dice rolls are good. It's when I decide to actually RP, which they encourage me to do, that stupid dice rolls, I get a freaking one. It's like that shirt I threw up in Discord. It's like, hey, check it out, bros. And then it's like your dice rolls are freaking one. And it's like, really? It's a whole different I mean, rant. I mean, itself. that's why you RP Jeez. all the time. So, so funny shit happens. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, 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 no. There's funny, and then there's super unfortunate, like running over a bridge and it breaks through. Because the DM doesn't like paladins anyway. Just saying, he doesn't. We will. We'll definitely be catching up on the rest of the Q and A next week for sure. Everybody, it's been just a damn good conversation. But out of respect for our party members times we've got to make sure we wind this down uh because we've got people that got stuff they got to do this evening but that doesn't mean we won't pick up on it again next time tonight gave me a lot of things to think about gentlemen we hit on some really interesting discussion points and had some different ideas about things i hadn't thought about before so that's what i love about this show man kick it with the homies we have a good conversation and every damn time we're always inspired with a different idea so this is to hoping that you all are as well and if you are i hope that you share that you know wherever you're at watching this listening to it jump in the discord join us there discord.gg forward slash samorg where our community gathers in between all the things so gentlemen we're going to go uh daedalus half tilt phasal pasha in that order shout out your domains and where people can find you when you're not on this podcast gentlemen daedalus all right, you can find me on uh, Twitter at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. I am on Twitter at half underscore tilt or on Discord, reach out half tilt gamer. You yeah. guys can find me on Twitch as Bagel108 or on Twitter as Bagel108. And you can catch me every Sunday on twitch.tv slash Pacha TV or you can find me out on Discord. Uh, my name is just Pasha over there. P-p-p-pasha. P-p-p-p-pasha. P-p-p-p-pasha. P-p-p-pasha.
gentlemen, this has been a damn good. This one was just a lot of fun. It was good to get all of us here together for this one. And, you know, might be the end of today's show, friends. But in closing, got to always remind all of you, whether you're listening to this, watching it on YouTube, watching us here live at Sundays, 5 Central here on my Twitch channel. I want you to remember that you two are a pathfinder. Much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week. Live your best lives, walk in the light, and have a great night, friends. We'll see you again real soon. Take care, everyone. Take care, folks. Bye.